Hey guys, you like science? You like learning? We can't cover everything on this podcast, certainly not as in-depth as I'd like to all of the time. Well, here's an important topic you need to know about. Water. Do you have it? Are you drinking it? Where is it coming from? All sorts of important questions you need to know. There is now the new Waterline podcast, which is an initiative of the Israel New Tech, a part of the Israeli Ministry of Economy and Industry. Waterline podcast aims to bring the latest scientific advances in technological solutions while exploring economic models and identifying key players in the global effort to secure water sources, create efficient water usage, and make water safe for everyone. I just checked out a really cool, interesting episode called Want Not, Waste Not, Wastewater. It's all about what happens to your wastewater. It's going to waste a lot of times, but does it need to? Absolutely not. What happens to all that discarded wastewater? Once treated, it has uh, economic and ecological value that can even drive nation's economies. It could even light up your house. How? Find out on that episode of the Waterline Podcast. Search Waterline Podcast on iTunes or in your Android podcast app. Hey, everybody. Just a quick apology before we get started. We had um, some dog issues this week uh, that required some editing and uh, and a little bit of uh, sound issues here and there. So I do apologize if that's a tad annoying, but um, uh, Ramin Nazer, um, uh, who does the audio, is great. And, and uh, so I don't think you'll even notice, um, but uh, just... Just wanted to, in case this happens to be your first episode that you're listening to, I wanted you to know that it's not always this choppy. So, um, otherwise, other than that, great episode and enjoy. Are we? Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I have a special guest is actually recommended to me by uh, a past guest, Jason DeLeon and Abigail Bigham, uh, who you may remember from, they were episode 15, um, and they uh, talked about anthropology and archaeology, and uh, we're going to be talking a bit about that today. I have Howard Tsai, who is a lecturer in Latin American archaeology and anthropology, Thank you, Howard, for joining me today. How are you doing? Good. No problem. Um, so I know nothing about archaeology at all uh, other than what I learned from the Indiana Jones <laughs> movies, if that gives you any idea of the depth of my knowledge. So you're going to have to help me out a little bit today. Uh, where uh, where do you work? Uh, like what... Uh, what archaeology, you do a lot of stuff in Peru, right? And Yeah, my field work has been mostly in uh, Peru, in South America. In the Andes. Uh, in Andes, yep. And specifically sort of the, in the northern Peru. And um, first off, how did you get into archaeology? 
it's uh, during uh, undergrad, and then I have a professor who recommended me to do uh, field work in uh, in Peru uh, in this this particular field school that he thought I, I should uh, join and get some field experience. Mm. So, so you go down to Peru, and, and what what like time period are you trying to study? Um, or, or initially, what time period were you trying to study? My uh, first project was this site that date to about a thousand years ago, so it's eleventh uh, century, so eighty one thousand is a pretty easy number. Remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. My, my, and that uh, that's that's not after death, by the way. A lot of people think AD means after death. After means, somebody's death. It's no, it's um, mm-hmm. it's uh, what? Hold on, it's a Latin term. Um, uh, <laughs> What does AD Isn't stand for? After Jesus it, died? No, it's no? not. Yeah, oh. Oh, you're gonna learn something today. Oh, um, it's yeah, it's because that wouldn't make sense because there's before Christ and then. Uh, oh right, and, and after death would born be born on Christmas, so we'd be missing some oh. thirty some years or so all if right. it were after death. Uh, no. uh, see, it, you're about to teach me all sorts of stuff, but now I'm going to teach you that AD actually, it's just mm-hmm. a very common error, is Latin uh, mm-hmm. meaning uh, um, anno, uh, Latin anno domino, and it means the year of the Lord. Oh. It's Latin for the year of mm-hmm. the Lord. So it, we're all, look at us, so we're already learning. You are the master. <laughs> um, I just I just know on the little gotcha facts um, uh, because I've, I've uh, been made a fool many times in my life and have learned from it. Um, so, uh, so Same here. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to learn. Is to, oh, to, absolutely. Learning is yeah. one of the more embarrassing <laughs> things uh, you can go through. I think that's why a lot of people don't, don't enjoy doing it. I find myself uh, embarrassed quite a bit. That's why it's easier just to uh, you know, go and go and watch the Michigan State game and turn off the thinker once in a while. It's a lot less humiliating. Um, but uh, so, so you went down there. So as an archaeologist, uh, so what were you doing initially? Were you helping with some of the digging and like discovering ancient ruins? Or I have no idea what this life is like. Oh, yeah, it's sort of your initial experience in archaeology. Did you carry uh, a whip at all? Uh, no, no, no <laughs> whip, no, no okay. gun, or, yeah. Um, yeah, the Hollywood version of things is always <laughs> sort of, it's always sort of. Yeah, they got to they gotta <laughs> spice like, it up a little bit, yeah, make it a like, little sexy yeah. for the, uh, so, for the big know, screen. Ask any, uh, you know, cop or police. You know, <laughs> is your life like Die Hard or like are you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. always trapped in a building with the, right? Yeah, That's yeah. I, yeah I, I don't know that they make um, comedians' lives seem any more dramatic on on oh. television. Maybe mm. maybe they do. I don't. We don't get very. That's well actually interesting. Usually, that... when comedians on like a movie or TV show, it's usually like. Uh, they're making fun of stand-up comedy, and it's like a real lame stand-up mm. 
comment, like in the Nutty Professor or something like that, where, <laughs> where Dave Chappelle's doing like this horrible stand-up routine shtick, or you know, oh, they're like huh. they're always like making fun mm-hmm. of stand-up comedy. Uh, whereas archaeologists get to look really cool. You get Harrison Ford making you guys look mm-hmm. like you're uh, risking your lives every day. So mm-hmm. what's what's the reality of it like? Is it is it like very meticulous and mm-hmm. and um, I, I mean I imagine it takes forever. I you you see I conjure up images in my mind of like using little paint brushes and little air spray cans to to blow little stuff off old artifacts. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's more similar to I guess portrayal of CSI like. Mm. Crime scene investigation. Oh, that's cool. In, in that, in, yeah, I think that's a closest analogy. Just less semen yeah. in archaeology, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> at yeah. least until they discover new techniques uh, of yeah. finding. Mm. I'm sure there's some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shine the UV light on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the archaeological site. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 uh, as you said, very meticulous excavation. We want to see everything in their context, and I think that is our uh, key word in archaeology is context, 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 context. We want to see where things were left once you find them. In the case mm-hmm. of like Peru or, or the Andes, um, mm-hmm. how did this stuff get buried in the first place? I, I, I'm not terribly familiar mm-hmm. with geography, and I, I know there's like a million different reasons mm-hmm. in different parts of the world sometimes it's earthquakes sometimes it's you know volcanoes and it's so so why why do you have to do the digging in the first place exactly exactly uh, you just mentioned sort of all these different scenarios so it really varies uh, from environment to environment sometimes let's say a 2000 year old archaeological site could just be on the surface it's just standing right there so it's, it's not even buried you just you just see it oh okay yeah. And then some other. That's a, that, yeah, those that's are the ones. That makes it genre the easy. Yeah, those exactly. are the easy ones. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, you just take your sort of trowel, you just like scrape a little bit, and then like, oh, there's there's the ancient floor, ancient walls. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a lot of those happen sort of in the um, in the desert environment, actually. So, so the the western coast of Peru is desert. Okay. Yeah, and some of the sites. Just basically cover with uh, just over wind, time the yeah, wind windblown sand. sand. I yeah. see. Now, mm-hmm. does that actually like kind of preserve some of the areas more? You, I would think that some of the areas mm-hmm. where they're completely exposed are probably like touristy mm-hmm. areas in a mm-hmm. lot of cases, and and that mm-hmm. probably screws up a lot of um, you know the ability to. Uh, examine when when tourists mm-hmm. have like run down things or or, or I'm I'm sure mm-hmm. people have already when, when they're exposed people have mm-hmm. already taken whatever valuable artifacts yeah. out of it mm-hmm. long a long time ago so is mm-hmm. it is it sometimes a little more exciting to do like the digging mm-hmm. and so what a lot of people don't know is that after our excavation we if it's not a touristic site we cover it back up. At the end, at the end, <laughs> that of the, must be heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, yeah, I've seen. I've seen archaeologists sort of cry <laughs> at, at the end of a, a, of a day. Really? Or bur- yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, it, that makes yeah, sense. You put a lot of work into because it. Because it was. Yeah. It was like. Um, you know, entire season of work. Wait, what's the season of work like uh, down there? Usually, uh, summer. I think the professors uh, do their field work during the summertime, so that's when they they 
um, why summer? Finished teaching. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. I see. So yeah. So it so doesn't summer. have anything to do with like the weather or anything. No, like no. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, there on the coast of Peru, their summer, I mean, our, our, our summer is sort of their winter time. So it's it's a little bit colder, but not that cold. You know, the coast of Peru is uh, relatively mild in terms of its climate. And then where I work in northern Peru, it's all, it's all, always kind of warm. So it's very nice. The weather is very nice. So mm. how big a sites are, are these? Are, are you... Uh, so so you dig them up and then you got to cover them back up. Now when you go back the following season, are you digging up the exact same thing or, or sometimes, you, sometimes, yeah, yeah sometimes <laughs> over you, and you, over you're again digging for generations. You're digging, yeah. What you are you cover back up the previous season? It it yeah. kind of mm-hmm. um it it's almost like the opposite of the um what what what's it called the that uh, like the Chinese thing where they make the sand art. You know, and then oh, the the, 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 oh Tibetan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah ground, and they make the sand art, art yes. and then they blow it all yeah. away when they're done. It's almost like the opposite, where you're blowing the sand off, revealing something, and then putting the sand. Oh wow, that's a very <laughs> poetic on. way to think about it. I never thought about it. For I'm me, just like poet. oh, more shoveling, <laughs> more sand. Uh, I'm so, yeah. uh, well, I'm sure the day to day, maybe maybe the Tibetan. Monk was thinking the same thing, right? The, uh, yeah. His master's telling him to draw. He's <laughs> yeah. like, okay. Uh, uh, God, God. We think yeah, something's beautiful. line yeah, for, yeah. for yeah. 10 days. Yeah. yeah. Well, to, I haven't done it, so it's like mm. romanticized in mm. my head. I, ha- I haven't mm. done the daily grind. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's like a lot of times people, um, people think like stand-up must just be like 24-7 non-stop laughs all the time and mm-hmm. a lot of it's just writing and just grinding out and going through horrible ideas after horrible ideas and and then and then eventually you find a few a few little nuggets in there that's like oh maybe i can polish this and and turn this into something. I'm sure archaeology must be a lot like that where a lot of the stuff that you're digging up is just kind of doing you not much good mm-hmm. at all and then you find these little gems once mm-hmm. in a while right i have to say i i i, I really love archaeological field work it really is exciting it, it's it's meticulous there's all like, the covering the site back up and all that stuff but uh, it's the that sense of discovery seeing new things uh ancient things being uh, uh, uncovered it's really that sense of excitement it, it's there for me yeah i mean yeah. i i wouldn't i wouldn't like like the actual like shoveling off of like the big stuff mm-hmm. but i think getting down to oh. the detailed mm-hmm. stuff with the brushes i think that that would be pretty mm-hmm. enjoyable you know that yeah. that would i i did a lot mm-hmm. of construction work and oh, that was okay. always like the little mm-hmm. finish work i always Mm. My bosses had always complained because I was sometimes too slow but because I was like so focused on the little details. I'd maybe make oh. a good archaeologist. Oh. Um, <laughs> so uh, so you're, uh, you're finding these things in these, um, these ancient ruins. So what, what were the people called back then? Like, like what, what do you uh, label them? Sometimes we don't know. Actually, a lot of times we actually don't know what they call themselves. So this was a thousand um, AD. Yeah, you said? yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so Anno Domino. Uh, oh, Anno okay. Domini. After death. And and so didn't they have? Did they not have a, a written language by that time? 
the native civilizations of South America are very interesting because they did not develop any kind of writing system. Really? Yeah, no writing system. Because I think uh, when was the, the some of the first written documents in other parts of the world were like I think like thirty thousand years ago they started with like keeping number systems and mm. then they started having like mm. w- words and then. It, it, it just little bits of it, I I think well it's actually mm-hmm. just right around um, right around Christ that they started uh, like having written word was taking mm-hmm. off and and a mm-hmm. lot of people were using it probably why those religions took mm-hmm. off rather than all the other ones that didn't get written down but so how do you if nothing's written down how it's uh, that that seems very tricky to kind of <laughs> figure out what what mm-hmm. life was like back then. So this is the essence of archaeology. Right. So we make these uh, inferences and uh, uh, and make these in- investigations based purely on the the artifacts, and then we uh, and then looking at the context in which these artifacts were found. So this is the analogy of the CSI uh, investigation coming back in again. So we try not to read line these texts and just look at where things were found mm. to figure out what happened in the past. How, how big are these um, sites? Like how, mm-hmm. how big were these cities? What was like the population um, back yeah. then? Um, so let's take, for example, one of the, um, the, the capital cities of a, a, a coastal empire called the Chimu. And then it's estimated to be something the core is about seven square kilometers. The people go upward of 20 square kilometers in terms of its entire urban area. And I think the population estimate is around something like 20,000. So, yeah, I'm, I probably had to go look. Back, but really? Yeah, 20, yeah, and, so, and, not and that, that big. Was, they're really, yeah. So uh, I'm yeah. sure to them that probably seemed like an like yeah. enormous mm-hmm. city. Yeah, back for then. back then. And now yeah. that's like a, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a small town. Some of the, the, the humongous ancient cities uh, to be found in Mexico. So, like okay. Teotihuacan, and those are this, these like massive, like mega cities. And yeah, in, the, in the South American tradition, it's really interesting. They, they didn't. Seem to get uh, that big, but but as you said, compared to the things that came before, little villages, right. you just take someone from the countryside and you take them to say uh, the, the capital, like uh, this the city that they they must have been really astounded. Where where is this like chrono- chronologically as far as how how far have they determined like when people were still like hunter gatherers sort of in this region? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and when people mm-hmm. first got to this region from what, mm-hmm. what did they did they like make it over during the uh, the ice age like eight thousand years ago or so and then and then come down the west coast? Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, there's uh, right? actually a lot of controversy uh, surrounding this. Really? Yeah, yeah. People thought sort of the, the Americas were populated uh, uh, sort of a lot later, but then there's just one site in uh, Chile. That uh, revolutionized uh, uh, the entire view, and it's called uh, Monte Verde in Chile. And when um, when was that? Um, and that was fourteen thousand years ago. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. that was before the last ice age, right? Cause when was yeah, yeah. So so it was it was before the um, the corridor opened up. There's a corridor in uh, in uh, North America. 
So now they think instead of taking the land route, they took a, a coastal route. Really? So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They got there by boat? By boat. 15,000 yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I guess because I think people were getting to like Australia um, mm-hmm. around that time. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. humans had some kind of watercraft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. had no, I yeah, had no it's, idea. It's, yeah, there's, there's that big debate. It's called uh, Clovis, uh, pre-Clovis. Mm. So they always thought that Clovis was the first culture in North America. And the Clovis is kind of a, a sort of a, a arrowhead. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, that, no, that's not the way to describe it. A kind of a... Um, uh, probably a, a like a, a spear, spear point, uh, and is attached. Is they're beautiful, beautifully made, and then um, uh, with this sort of flute uh, channel running down the center of the Clovis um, biface. So, and they always thought that is the earliest uh, culture uh, in, in North America. But then now, sort of uh, more evidence coming in saying that there's uh, earlier cultures. Oh, that's that. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, yeah. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I mm-hmm. never heard that. Um, I, so, so were these people? Were they? Were they pretty isolated? And and, and we're talking mm-hmm. about um, these people in Peru, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what was the name of uh, the these people again, or or, or oh, that you call this the, area? The really early site in, in yeah. Chile, in Chile, uh, that's uh, Monte Monte Verde. Okay. Monte Verde. And and yeah. were were these people like pretty isolated from the the mm-hmm. areas that you go to? Were they pretty isolated mm-hmm. from say cuz how far is this from Mexico where they're where Oh, it's pretty far. Yeah, it's all the way down in, in Chile, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm so bad at geography. <laughs> I've <have laughs> no here. idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> got Google Earth this, uh, yeah. uh, Google Map this later. Um yeah. mm-hmm. so so what what is it that you're able to um, determine from like skeletal remains. Are you able to determine mm-hmm. like um, uh, like their lifespan, their mm-hmm. diet? Absolutely, um, all sort of stuff. Yeah, diet, uh, health was another thing. Sometimes they, uh, um, I guess, there's sort of a lot of uh, pathologies you can see in their in their bones. Um, were they mm-hmm. were they overall pretty healthy people or? On that site, there's no skeleton remain found Monte Verde. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, they somehow left. Yeah. So. Oh, they just. And and you mentioned like uh like how many communities were there? Was we don't actually don't know. Monte Verde was a kind of like a freak site. It was like sort of like a Pompeii. So that's that's what makes understanding these really really uh, early initial occupation of South America difficult because the sites are just not there. Hmm. And Monte Verde was preserved because sort of a layer of peat, uh, bog covered it, so made a really ex- uh, good preservation condition for the site. So it's, it's, a, it's a very special case. It's, it's very rare that happened. And, and luckily, the archaeologist um, Tom Dillahay working uh, there recognized the, the site and, and uh, the excavation there. Otherwise, this site could have uh, gone unnoticed. Um, that's uh, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. fascinating. I, mm-hmm. it, so there's no skeletal remains. They no, just all yeah. yeah what the, did they, the, the, people didn't die there? Where, what it, happened? Yeah, you know, a lot of archaeological sites are really weird. They you don't find burials sometimes. You're hmm. like, 
where do all the dead people go? It's really weird. They toss yeah. them in the ocean or something. Like Sometimes that? it's uh, they think there are weird things like cremation. They they're like, ah. they're burning them, but you can. Oh, that you, makes sense. Yeah, but you you'll still find like a little pot with the burnt bones and ashes and stuff. Ah, yeah, and that's, okay. Yeah, and um, in like ancient Europe, prehistoric uh, European cultures had that. Uh, but a lot of times the bones just sort of yeah you, you don't find them. And which is really weird because if you do the calculations, a village creates a lot of dead people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah so of course. If you just yeah, you just calculate how many people die. Like, yeah, yeah. You'd think um, you'd find a few of just yeah. stragglers mm-hmm. that got lost somewhere and mm-hmm. keeled over, and mm-hmm. you didn't get cremated or thrown in the ocean or whatever mm-hmm. the hell happened to the all the rest of them. Um, so, so what are your uh, so just to be clear, just again, but that's like so, way, so yeah, that, of, that's way far from my from my uh, yeah, my time period. I'm interested. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so let's go back to the, <laughs> your time period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so where are we again in mm-hmm. in Peru and in the Andes in northern Peru? Yeah, in no, um, yeah. 1100 AD, mm-hmm. and um, and and so and there's skeletal remains there. Yes, right? yes, and yep. and so so these people. Do you have any idea of of their lives? Because the I think a lot of people think in their mind that mm-hmm. um, that uh, our our lifespan. Uh, a lot of people think that the average lifespan was like thirty years, mm-hmm. and and these and these people were living these horrible lives and were mm-hmm. scraping by or whatever. And and um, and a lot of times that wasn't the case for um, a lot of hunter gatherers. It, mm-hmm. it seems when they find bones, it seems like people were. Um, in in some regions, living to be uh, very healthy and living to be 70, 80 years old. What, what was the lifespan in in the region that you're studying? I we actually we don't have any data on that. Uh, the kind of uh, some of the burials we found, with there were not enough individuals to make that estimate. Mm. To make that inference, you need sort of an entire cemetery. So let's say something like two hundred, three hundred people to make that accurate assessment of age so do you have I any guess, idea yeah, in for the, like ancient like, just ancient peruvians or some yeah yeah i, I yeah i can't so, it, yeah. so this was they had a lot of um agriculture and stuff at this mm-hmm. time, yeah right? yeah but but certainly probably not as healthy as us now in right yeah, right yeah. right yeah. um mm-hmm. so so what were do you have a sense of like, uh, like, what can you determine about what their lives were like back then? Um, from from what you've studied, mm-hmm. uh, sort of food. Um, what what were they eating? So we found remains of uh, corn, okay. corn cob. Um, in terms of animal uh, meat, we found uh, yamas, sort of camelid. So they're eating their yama. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also living close to a river, so we found some um, crab. So they're eating some river crab. Um, not yeah. bad. Not bad. Not and bad. Oh, seafood. I forgot to mention this stuff from the from the ocean. So there were the site is about what, twenty miles from the from the coast. So they're already doing trade or getting the seafood in. Oh, really? Yeah, they're yeah. bartering and everything. Mm-hmm. What was um. How sophisticated was their agricultural system at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
they did not do anything really elaborate like the Incas, where the Inca completely would make terraces in the hillside. They just, like yeah. piped in water from the hillside. Yeah, and yeah, stuff, and right? that's sort of just really they had, intensive, intensive agriculture. Because they had like yeah. sanitation mm-hmm. and everything. Right? Yeah, kind yeah. Of. But you know, all that stuff's kind of unnecessary, right? We we yeah, we call them really sophisticated, but it's sort of a way just. For the Incas to show off their power. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's more of a sort of showing off, getting people to work for the Inca state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, that's like these huge pyramids. Mm-hmm. Was there anything like mm-hmm. that? And in, and in, in, have you ever um, studied any areas with any of these? Yeah, big... yeah. So so the site uh, we excavated it's called uh, Las Barras. It's uh, kind of like a village, but if you just go uh, two or three miles uh, downriver. The site called Bentanias and currently excavated by my colleague or Robin Cutright at Center College, and that site features for these massive uh, mud brick adobe uh, pyramid structures or monumental uh, um, architecture. How big are they? Um, what was what was the the? They're not as big as as the Giza one, so but it was yeah. pretty yeah, kind of like two or three story uh, uh, high. Um, uh, it's what the the basal dimension. I can't give you like. Good no, 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 it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, do mm-hmm. do you? So, what were the pyramids for? Were they like a? a, a do you know? Mm-hmm. Were they like a place of worship? Did people actually did did like emperors or whatever? Did they actually live in mm-hmm. inside them? Were they tombs? Oh yeah, that's um, so. Uh, they were mostly for ceremonial purposes. Okay. So you find our ramps going up them. So it's kind of like a ritual procession. That you go up, um, and nothing like the Egyptian kind of kind of tomb struck uh, function. But they do have tombs, though, and they seem to be kind of like of a dedicatory tomb. We do mm. find tombs inside these things, though. So yeah. and so, um, so how how did they? Um, uh, there, <laughs> have you ever seen the ancient aliens shows or whatever? Yeah, yeah, I love that. As a kid, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, um, so, uh, mm-hmm. what, what is your take on some of that stuff? Like, how is, uh, how, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you, know, <laughs> you don't think it was aliens, correct? Yeah. But, but like some of the points that they make that, that are like, oh, how did they, um, make these, like, did they have the, um, did you do any of the sites where what's that stuff called the gyroglyphics? Oh, like or? Nazca lines on that, like the landing strip for the yeah, yeah, like, or, like the the like a big monkey or whatever yeah, that you can mm-hmm. only see from when you're flying over. What mm-hmm. was there anything like that mm-hmm. in any of the areas that? I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry that I keep on asking you all these bizarre questions no, that, no, you don't, yeah, that you don't have no, um, no. A- answers for. Those are for. great questions. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, we we confirmed this interview just recently, yeah. and so I, yeah. I didn't have a whole ton of time to look through. All Am of your I work, the and I'm first archaeologist, or was Jason? Was Jason, Jason was the first, and, okay. and he did a lot of you know the modern archaeology mm-hmm. stuff. So, oh, okay, so it was you didn't ask him about more. the aliens or Atlantis. Uh, no, or, no, I, no, I, no, I okay. didn't ask oh, him about that's cool. aliens. Okay, that's great. Okay, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I like that aliens mm-hmm. would come down and then just help mm-hmm. them make these like pretty kind of. Seemingly worthless sort of <laughs> pyramid, like rather yeah. rather than like use their UFOs mm-hmm. to g- help them 
get better water mm. supply or food resources or whatever. It's just like, we'll teach you how to make this um, square structure and, and, and cut these bricks or, yeah, or whatever. You know, like we think these things are kind of ridiculous, but they're also a great sort of exercise to think about uh, how we make theories and hypotheses in archaeology. Because if sort of if Atlanteans or aliens really built these things or like, uh, came and influenced society. There should be some kind of evidence. Yeah, and, yeah, and and there's sh- um, and that evidence sh- uh, should be uh, registered archaeologically. And we so so it it, it let us sort of think about how uh, influence, contact, uh, migration uh, would look like archaeologically. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh, like, like why yeah. uh, you're sophisticated enough to have intergalactic travel yeah. and like right, right, UFOs right. or whatever. And then right. you get here mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, now we'll take stone blocks yeah. and mm-hmm. stack them. <laughs> right. And, and this is, so this is a really weird society, right? Like, yeah. Why are they here and making people build pyramids and what are they getting out of it? Yeah, oh, yeah, you, you study yeah. a lot of uh, ritualistic yeah. behavior, right? Yes, from back yeah, in that exactly. Time. So, yeah. so how are you able to determine kind of what some of these rituals were? Uh, again, there's no written word. I mean, mm-hmm, you do mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. you're able to find these um, kind of temples or tombs, yeah, uh-huh. and then you're able mm-hmm. to. Uh, I mean, I, I guess there was like a fair amount of artwork and stuff back then yes, too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Iconography, yeah. Um, a ritual is one of those very difficult topics that archaeologists face. It's a lot of times you archaeologists make these theories. Like, oh, this is a ritual structure, and you're like, oh, what's that supposed to mean? You're just making this up because you don't know what it's actually for. Uh, right. So, uh, but a lot of times there are these um, you know uh, structures or sh- household shrines you find that they're they're just there and you, you know, and they uh, sort of serve kind of a worshiping purpose. Um, a lot of times they have sort of, for example, uh, uh, a pretty clear one is sort of, uh, as I mentioned before, like dedication, uh, dedication, uh, deposits, uh, artifacts, offerings. So in a building, uh, in a house we dig, and sort of underneath the floor, you find this sort of bunch of like figurines closer together. Hmm. And yeah, and, and that's sort of a really clear evidence something's going on. Yeah. Like it seems like they're dedicating these figurines uh, to the house. Uh, and at Las Barras, where I worked, well, we found uh, this dedication of uh, three bowls. There are these painted bowls sort of left on, like, in the house. And then before they left, they did this sort of closing ceremony. And, and was there like a lot of common themes? It, it does seem difficult to, when you bring that up, to, yeah, how do you determine that as a ritual? Because I imagine mm-hmm. like an anthropologist coming from Mars or something might go into like some teenager's bedroom and mm-hmm. see like a bunch of Pink Floyd posters mm-hmm. and be like, oh, they worshipped these mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> spacecrafts you... and, and things like that. It's like, oh, well, actually, they yeah. just like smoked too much weed. That wasn't... <laughs> Did you ever read uh, Hotel Mysteries? No. Look, that, that's, that's about sort of a future archaeologist digging a motel. So, oh yeah, really? Yeah, and then and the, that archaeologist started making all sort of weird theories about 
how the toilet was used. They thought the toilet <laughs> was some kind of shrine. Uh, that, like, like in they, a way, yeah, in a way like it wearing, is. I've, I've prayed yeah, in yeah. front of and on a toilet before. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's funny. I, yeah. I mean, it does a- after the ritual, right? It was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, it's an interesting like cleansing. It's a cleansing ritual. It's like yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's just it's a useful thought exper- mm-hmm. experiment because it does seem um, difficult to examine these yeah. ancient structures. And a lot of times, we also need to expand our uh, definition of ri- what ritual. Mm-hmm. Is and I think we always associate ritual with some kind of religion, a god, or something like that. But I think uh, in sort of the more current anthropological theory thinking is that ritual is all anything that is sort of very um, sort of formulaic, repetitive, uh, highly structured activities. Uh, it doesn't have to involve any kind of supernatural being like right. gods. So today, you know, we are having the Michigan, Michigan State game. Yeah, so that's a ritual. Very, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, of look, course. Look at the crowd it's drawing, and yeah. Um, so, mm-hmm. so, so first off, I guess before I I ask about that, did they have? Um, is there evidence of like calendar systems and stuff back then? Like they have, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, the. Mm-hmm. Uh, People hear about the Mayan calendar because mm-hmm. the world was supposed to end a couple of years ago or whatever in 2012 or yeah whatever. yeah that's uh, actually a great contrast with, uh, with sort of uh, South America with the um, with the Mayan calendar at least in the the Incas and the Peruvian system mm-hmm. it was nothing sort of that uh, structured yeah that structure keeping that many years sort of um, like anything like the Mayan calendar. Uh, it was. It seems like they were more focused on year to year, keeping track of uh, um, like when summer, spring, uh, winter would show up. So, and they would use the uh, the movement of sun. They they would track sort of when the uh, sun was rising or setting. Ah, so, yeah. See, uh, so mm-hmm. it was. What would you say it was like a little more rudimentary because because that's that stuff's like more practical it's almost like the mayans mm-hmm. had too much time on their hands mm-hmm. or something cuz they had yeah. like every day <laughs> meant something and it was yeah. like every day mm-hmm. was like a different god or saying and some mm-hmm. days were good luck and some days are bad mm-hmm. luck and that sort of thing yeah, and it seems the like me- a real yeah the mesoamerican system is fascinating i yeah, I, yeah. I, cause I i thought it was bad i had to i was drugged to church on every sunday and then often mm-hmm. i had wednesday um ccd i, I was catholic and so mm-hmm. that was like two times mm-hmm. a week seemed oh, like mm-hmm. I, I i thought my family was strict but we only mm-hmm. had to do like a human sacrifice once a month or so mm-hmm. you know whereas mm-hmm. the mayans were doing mm-hmm. this stuff all, all the, the time, time yeah. Yeah. yeah um so mm-hmm. uh, so do you have a um uh sense of what kind of uh so were the mm-hmm. peruvians doing ritualistic yeah, behavior yeah. Like that? so and so uh i mentioned using the archaeology to figure out what was going on but so now i'm going to sort of cheat and use historical record and writing and, right. and those came from the spanish so the spanish actually uh, wrote down a lot of what uh they witnessed at a time of contact I'm yeah. I'm mm-hmm. not the best with history. Is this Cortez? Oh, okay. This uh, Pizarro. Pizarro oh, okay. was the 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 
sort of uh, the person to capture the the Inca king Atahualpa. Ah, yeah, what yeah. happened? Uh, this is yeah, this is a great story. This is um, that uh, Pizarro um, was based in uh, Panama at the time, and then he led an expedition uh, down to South America, and then he I think it was around uh, uh, sort of the Ecuador area. He, they 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 made the initial contact and heard about this great empire mm. in in uh, in further to the south in Peru. How big of a group of people was he with? I, it just ballpark it for me. I oh, don't mean uh, to, Pizarro's uh, yeah. uh, group, 168. 168? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I should actually give you that figure because people actually, uh, uh, James Lockhart was a scholar who went back and figured out the record. And he, yeah, he, it was, it was, it's a great sort of historical research. And he even figured out the people who claimed they were there, they weren't there. Because he went through a record, and he's like, "Oh, this guy." Later, say he was there. He's not. He wasn't there. So, <laughs> so, 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 so yeah, it's an amazing study. And and um, these weren't all just like uh, uh, warriors. This is often comprised of there'd be some military, and then there'd be mm-hmm. some um, uh, explorers. There'd be some researchers, or or um, uh, like uh, people taking archives and recording what was going on. Now, right? this uh, fascinating point that you brought up because a lot of sort of literature calls them soldiers which is a, compl- a complete misnomer yeah so this is one of the great myths of the spanish conquest was that these conquerors were soldiers they were not they were sort of self-commissioned adventurers and conquerors yeah and so they weren't paid by the state they had to fund their own expedition and then their profession I think was in that group of Pizarro only something like I forgot two or three had actual um, uh, uh, military training back in Europe. The rest of them had weird jobs. They're kind of like odd jobs. Some some were carpenter, uh. some were uh, lawyers. So some they they had all sort of like jobs. And and they actually learned a lot of the fighting. Oh man, those yeah. Peruvians weren't ready for lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, um, uh, Cortez was a notary, so he knew his law. So he he was really? actually trained uh, in law. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think he finished his law degree, but he yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was a dropout. Yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 but they did yeah. have pretty advanced kind of technology, or or I uh, mean, uh, it, uh, Spain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, absolutely depending yeah. on... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess mm-hmm. there's things like um, didn't, like South America, they, they had discovered like rubber and some stuff mm-hmm. like that that mm-hmm. was like pretty amazing by those standards. Mm-hmm. But but as far as like weapons and, and oh, ships... And, and What's fascinating is that the, the Spanish conquerors immediately adapted uh, the weaponry of the Americas. So they a lot of them start ditching their metal armor for a cotton one that's made by the um, the Native Americans because it's lighter and it can stop uh, arrowheads uh, uh, more effectively. Really? So yeah, yeah. So they 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 notice the um, yeah. So both sides were doing fascinating stuff. And later on, the uh, there's like some Inca rebels who were fighting the Spanish. They also try to learn some Spanish uh, tactics. So ah. both sides were. After contact, immediately start learning from each other. So, so what yeah. happened when he first mm. um, came to mm. Peru? Then? Oh yeah. So, on the story, so he 
he uh, realized the king was staying in uh, Cajamarca, in, in northern Peru. So the, the capital Inca was actually in uh, Cusco, in southern Peru, and that's where all the tourists would go now. It's called, uh, yeah, Cusco. And, but he it was, at that time, he was actually in northern Peru, in Cajamarca, and this is not far from where I work, in northern Peru. Mm. So I'm, uh, so Las Barras, the site I worked on, is only about uh, four hours away by bus from Cajamarca. So it's uh, it's a region that uh, I've been working in for a long time, and I yeah, it's it's beautiful. I do, everybody should go check it out. So, yeah, so so the the Inca king was actually there. What All happens? Right. He's like he's recently uh, concluded a civil war against his brother. So the Incas actually had a huge civil war among themselves mm. uh, between Atahualpa. And his brother Waskar, and he just beat Waskar actually. And Waskar at that time was actually still alive; he's a held prisoner. That's and I. I've had so many wars with my brother, and oh, it's, uh, I win most of them. Oh wow, uh, that's good. No, you, you crush them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's <laughs> he listens to the show, so I'm making that joke just for him. Are you guys um, fighting over the, the, the empire? Who yeah, gets to be yeah, king yeah, of the yeah, empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah my my massive empire that I have. Stuff, just, yeah. like, base, it, my empire fits <laughs> in my car, actually, uh, but it's still. <laughs> Still worth mm-hmm. fighting for. Yeah. When that's all you have, you'll fight mm-hmm. pretty far, uh, hard for I know, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, um, uh, so uh, they were fighting, and then, oh, sorry, what was the guy's name again? That came? Uh, 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 Pizarro. Pizarro, yeah, yeah. and then Pizarro came yeah. down. So, so what he like? Uh, so yeah, and he so led the so march. Were they pretty yeah. weak at this time then? Because they had just got yeah, down, yeah. Like, so you you basically had this sort of uh, empire in crisis. Uh, um, after the Civil War, and they just concluded that. And so uh, Pizarro landed on the coast, and then they marched um, inland into the mountains of Cajamarca. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, there they met, uh, uh, there they met Otawapa uh, after marching uh, inland from the, from the ocean. And and at that time, Otawapa was actually holding a, uh, a, a ritual or a feast. So um, there, he had all these dancers out on the plaza. And then um, Pizarro already had his plan to capture Otawapa. So he had all his men sort of hidden in the houses around the plaza. And then he sent his priest to meet Otawapa. And then the priest gave Otawapa... Uh, a Bible and told him to believe in the Christian God. And the story goes, Altawapa looked at the Bible, um, flipped a couple of pages, and here is the quintessential encounter between uh, two cultures, uh, one that had writing and one that didn't. Yeah. So Altawapa looked at the Bible, flipped through it, and was all these Sort of scribbles, it, boring scribbles. Right. Like, like they, they were making like yeah. awesome monkeys yeah. out in the, <laughs> in the desert the or desert, whatever yeah. that you could see from yeah. miles off, and and, yeah. and then mm-hmm. this is a bunch of dumb yeah. pages, pages, with scribbles. paper, yeah. Yeah, 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 like ugly drawings. And then so he held up to his ears, like, hey, like, not, <laughs> not talking to me. What is this? And then he just threw the Bible down, oh, on the floor, it's like. 
in the gallery. Yeah. There's nothing here. You're interrupting my ceremony. Yeah, yeah. I've I've gotten yeah. in trouble for that a few times. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was the perfect um, sort of timing for um, the priest to say, like my Spaniards, my my fellow uh, Spaniards, look what he did to the Bible. So it's time to attack. Yeah. And then he then he there's a battle cry. And then all these cannons and guns just start firing. And then uh, Pizarro's men charged out into the plaza with their horses and their swords. And just it became a complete uh, rout and massacred. Uh, so, and no, nobody died. No Spaniard side died. But something like a couple of thousand uh, uh, Incas died. Did Incas so, have horses? Then? No, no. And of no, course no. they didn't have guns. Mm-hmm. Um, no guns. What, yeah. what was what was their uh, what, oh, the were, what did they have for weapons? Yeah, they have uh, slings, uh, a kind of um, stone mace, like a, you know, um, And they probably mm-hmm. didn't know that there was. I mean, it must have really caught them by surprise because they because mm-hmm. they were thinkers were fairly isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine. I'm sure a lot of cultures back then probably thought that's like pretty much all there was to the world, you know, mm-hmm. was was kind of what there was around them and didn't really think about. Yeah, so at that time was the height of the Inca Empire. So the Inca Emperor Atahualpa probably thought there's no way 168 men could capture me. Yeah. King was, of the yeah, world. King of the world. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a fascinating sort of encounter moment in history. And there's a lot of debate about what what those two were thinking at the time. Why didn't Altawapa kill him sh- sh- uh, straight out when Pizarro was making a climb into the mountains? Why can't you know, just kill him right right there? So there's sort of a lot of uh, post uh, uh, sort of uh, historical analysis uh, of the conquest. Hmm. Yeah. And and what. Um do you do you know of are, are there anything from like back then and in that culture and from that time period that did end up kind of getting passed on through like modern day Peru or whatever? Like, have you ever mm-hmm. done like a mm-hmm. ayahuasca ceremony down uh, there? Or you know, I never like did ayahuasca. Though. Uh, yeah, I did. You know, uh, coca, lame. coca leaves. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah so coca, coca leaves. leaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you well, been to? No, yeah, okay, yeah. I mm-hmm. I did ayahuasca once, but I oh, did wow. it in California. Oh wow! Um, huh. It didn't take, didn't didn't break through. It was okay. It was, yeah. it was fun. I just there's ayahuasca and there's also San Pedro cactus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Hoping mm-hmm. to do that one of these days. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never, yeah, I never had a chance to try, but maybe someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sounds kind of scary though. Do you, uh, well, I, I've done um, DMT. That's the active ingredient in ayahuasca, dimethyltryptamine, oh. and okay. uh, yeah, it's uh-huh. it can be terrifying for people. But yeah, I, uh-huh. I enjoy it. It's different. Uh-huh. I, I understand why people thought there were spirits and mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of thing because wow. it's definitely a very, very, very powerful hallucinogen. But what mm-hmm. kind of um, I bring it up just because so continuities it, with the the. Uh, the pre-Columbian culture into modern times. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. what, what kind of um, it, because I'm sure um, that that they then the conquerors then adapted many of the. It, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's like medicines and everything else that were useful. Do you, mm-hmm. it, was, was mm-hmm. there anything like that that ended up? Uh, I, I keep mm-hmm. on forgetting the guy's name again. What, what was Pizarro? The, Pizarro. I, I'm yeah. going to write that down. Yeah. Um, 
So like Bizarro, but with a P. Bizarro. Because there must have been. Uh, so after after they conquered it, I mean, what was? Why did they want this area so much? Mm, it, mm. Was was it like gold or? Spain was looking for silver and gold. That was, that ah. was yeah, yeah. And the, they had yeah. a fair amount, the Aztecs, or yes, uh, the uh, the Incas, or the, uh, yeah. the the Incas. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was actually um, some time after the conquest, a mine called uh, Potosi that generated a lot of silver. That's in modern day uh, Poliv- uh, Bolivia. And a mine is called Potosi. Mm. So, and then what were they using the, uh, for? What were the Incas using, like gold and? It's mostly for, for? Uh, decoration. Mm-hmm. So no currency. They, they were not using any. And and then we don't have any evidence of a, any kind of money being used in the uh, Inca Empire. So this is a really strange society. No writing. No money. Uh, it, it, it's uh, it's unfortunate because that's probably. I mean. It, was there still like when when um, archaeologists first got there? Was was there still any of these like gold or silver artifacts even left, or were they all just did Pizarro just like melt everything down and and mm-hmm. ship it back? Or yeah, there's a tons of uh, looting afterwards. And what's fascinating is they did it under sort of a license from the Spanish crown from the Spanish king. And they ran it as a, a mining operation. So they're kind of like mining companies that will actually go out and loot archaeological sites. Hmm. So uh, a really famous one in, in, in Trujillo in northern Peru, they sort of, it's a, it's a massive um, adobe pyramid. And then they, the Spanish channeled the river to wash it out, to, to, like, to wash out the pyramid. So now we only have something like Less than half the pyramid left because it was, yeah. And then, and then we have a, a record of that, of, a, of the Spanish document, because a fifth goes to the king. So whenever you you get gold, a fifth goes to the king. So yeah. why did they decide to wash that out? Uh to uh, loot all, all, everything in there. Ah, yeah, I so, see. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. and, and and you do a lot of work on that particular site, right? I I saw uh, the um mm-hmm. uh the Adobe um, pyramid. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, that's one of the articles I I, I wrote us about uh, Adobe's, and then some of the data came from that 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 uh, that site actually, uh, Waka de la Luna and Waka del Sol. So and yeah, it seems, mm-hmm. it, it, and I'm I may have uh, interpreted some of your work incorrectly, but uh, so there was no money back then, but there was. Still, some mm-hmm. social classes. Absolutely, absolutely, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. what what do you know about how they kind of organized um, themselves, mm-hmm. and and what mm-hmm. kind of different social classes there were? Yeah, so it's that's really interesting. Uh, so, at the time of Spanish contact, the Incas and 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 their, the society before already developed sort of a like class system. So mm-hmm. you already have sort of native Andean uh, nobles, and then you also and then sort of have uh, uh, commoners that work for them. So this sort of a system of social inequality was already there. And then a lot of times um, the the Incas would just rule through these native lords or nobles. And then whenever the, the Inca would uh, collect, uh, they call it sort of tribute, like a work, you make everybody work. So instead of 
paying taxes, you just have to work for the Incas. Mm. But then these uh, native uh, lords will be exempt from working because all their job is to minister. So they, they so they've already become sort of like kind of a bureaucrat within the Incan system. How they keep mm-hmm. track of uh, <laughs> who was working mm-hmm. what uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. before mm-hmm. having the pun- uh, the uh, punching in and out on the clock and yeah, it's this uh, uh, famous thing called a quipu. Mm. Yeah, Q U I P U. It's this a uh, 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 series of uh, strings, and then and then uh, knots tied on these strings that keep track of uh, uh, the people and and goods. So yeah. Um, so they they were able to determine who who was yeah yeah due to be working mm-hmm. and where mm-hmm. and or. a very famous account was uh, when when the Spanish went into Cusco and started taking out the gold. The Inca uh, guy in charge of that that storehouse freaked out. He started immediately like fixing his kipu. He's like, oh, it's like, oh no, these guys are taking out like how much <laughs> like uh, uh, how much uh, gold objects. I, I I need to fix this. So he's almost kind of like a cashier, like fixing the bank record because like, the Spanish were looting the storehouse. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, they mm-hmm. must have. And then mm-hmm. that guy's holding on to his little stuff of thread or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. They're probably like, oh, you yeah. can keep that. <laughs> so yeah, the kipus are they're like you know I, I I I when I teach I make the students uh, make kipu so that's one of the class activities really neat but uh, so we make really simple ones with like one string and a couple strings running uh, sort of from that that central string but the uh, the, the kipus we still have them in museum collections they're actually mm. huge they're massive with sort of like hundreds hundreds of sort of, um. And they just put knots in particular put knots there, and then yeah, and then the, what's really cool is you, you different could, colors and stuff. Too, yeah, right? they're like color coded sometimes. Mm. So yeah, I've seen those. You have, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I've seen them in a few museums. Oh yeah, the thing is, we sort of don't know exactly what they mean. Hmm. It's sort of you have a, it's so so that was the the purpose of this activity in class is that you make these things and you try to guess what they what the numbers stand for. But sometimes you can't, right? So, so imagine, okay, uh, Shane, you're supposed to make a kipu right now, and then you know, you you record these numbers. What is what is supposed to be? You know, right? Like, yeah, how much? I don't know. Like, you know, how much uh, gas you have left in your car? <laughs> right. or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so how do you uh, how do you then? Uh, figure out so so you must just get a bunch of these things and then kind of look for trends or yeah how do you mm-hmm. determine what what exactly they were used for how did mm-hmm. people first discover like oh these this is what they used for mm-hmm. an accounting system yeah the person who's been studying uh kipu uh and doing all these very interesting analysis is a uh, gary Erton mm-hmm. of harvard and he started this kipu database so you guys should go online and look at uh the, a record of different kipus in that database. And then he has figured out something really interesting was sort of some kipus have this uh, sort of numbers that show up over and over again, like 360 and 12. So something, or like in 30. So something to do with a calendar. Really? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, like, so, so yeah, the uh, days in, 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 uh, in a year, a number of months and a number of days in the, in the month. So, that, so, so there are these kipus that seem to be sort of uh, keeping track 
of um, workers and then sort of uh, a, a, a calendar of when these workers are supposed to work. So, yeah, so you, you, yeah, you, you just take these basic numbers and you sort of figure out something. Hmm. So, yeah, so like, you know, if I give you like a random number right now, let's say 10, 17, 20, 15. Right. Um, 10, 17, 20, 15. Oh right. boy, <laughs> put me on the spot here. Let's see. I, what is just, the connection? Yeah. Um, um, two, two, three, five. Actually, uh, it's, no, it's, yeah, there's not. There's no connection. Not, yeah, not that. Yeah. Oh, I thought there was yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. you were actually well, well, quizzing. Tw- so 2015, right? So like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the date today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, that's funny that I didn't get that, yeah. it, was, that yeah. it was the date. I yeah, like you were, you were, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I thought it the, was some ancient. The, the number of uh, days on the Venus <laughs> year. Uh, that yeah. is hilarious. Uh, well, so, yeah. well, that just emphasized how difficult your job is <laughs> no, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, to be able to determine what's yeah. going on when I don't recognize the day. Yeah. And and the year <laughs> that is today, that's so it's hilarious. Just these sort of random numbers toss at you, yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. "What does this actually mean?" So, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, first off, before we wrap up, we'll, we'll chat just a little more. But um, I'll have you mention uh, what is the uh, charity of the week that you'd like to plug. It's the Undocumented Migration Project. That's the uh, uh, same that Jason and Abigail um, uh, plugged that as well. So you can go online and find out a lot more about that. We mentioned it in episode 15, which um, go back and listen to that episode as well. If you didn't, it was a real fun one. Um, and uh, yeah, so so what are you? Uh, what do you have uh, coming up? What are you? Uh, what are you excited about? What are you working on? Oh, yeah, my second project now is uh, this site in the same valley where I worked um, about about an hour upriver from Las Barras. And it's an Inca site that's never been reported. And it has this beautiful classic Inca door right there. Right. And it's really strange. It's, it's why would the Incas build a site there in the middle of nowhere? It kind of... You kind of feel bad for the Inca official, sort of gets put there, almost like a punishment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the next project. Want to um, kind of uh, get some uh, get a project going on that. Our first season will be a uh, mapping the site, and then um, if I can also do running like a field school. So they say taken. So you go down for like what three months at a time? Yeah, yeah, in the summertime. So mm-hmm. that's usually when we run our projects or. Uh, uh, Away from this, uh, sometime in, so not during the school year, but during the summertime. That's uh, uh, that's fascinating. Well, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I look forward to hearing more about your work in the future, and mm-hmm. uh, and, and thank you so much, Howard Sai, for mm-hmm. uh, joining me today. And um, where can where can people, if they want to know more, where can people find you? Uh, at howardsai.com. So that is my website. 
All right. And we'll have a link on the herewearepodcast.com website. And I'm still embarrassed that I didn't know the day of the year. 1017. My my schedule's so mixed up that I'm like, oh, yeah, it's October. (laughs) Um, But anyway, this is a a real fun, informative uh, episode and completely different than uh, anything we've talked about on here uh, before. So thanks for joining me, Howard. Thank you so much, Shane. It's been a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Next week is the season finale, season one finale of the Here We Are podcast. We have been doing this for a year now. Can you believe that? Thanksgiving week of last year is when I released the very first episode with Marty Hazelton. And uh, oh, how far we have come. We have a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Uh, for season two um, that I'm going to be talking about in in the future. I'm taking um, some not new directions with the podcast. I'd say additional directions with the podcast, introducing um, some new themes and some different kinds of guests. I'll tell you more about that next week. Um, but uh, make sure and tune in next week. And, and, and by the way, since it is the end of season one, it would be super awesome if I could look on uh, the old iTunes, check the old iTunes reviews, and we hit a few more of those milestones. We're uh, not too far away from uh, both. Um, for I haven't talked about this in a while, but if you uh, once we reach 100 reviews, um, I will release a bonus episode, and once we reach 150 ratings, on iTunes, I'll release another bonus episode, and we're very close to both of those. So if you go on and you give it a rating and a review, that will be going towards two bonus episodes. Uh, But anyway, tune in next week for the season finale. I traveled from Portland, Oregon to Eugene, Oregon. Uh, to the University of Oregon to talk with Michelle uh, Scalise Sugiyama. Michelle Scalise Sugiyama. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. Um, and we talked about the evolution of storytelling and how um, she's an anthropologist. She goes around and finds all these uh, records from like hunter-gatherer tribes and such of, of their... Uh, of the different stories they tell and kind of uses some of them as a bit of a window into what our past was like. So really interesting episode. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that this podcast is all about. So I think you guys are really going to like it. That's why I made it the uh, season finale. So make sure and tune in next week. And thank you guys so much. Kyle Ayers, I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman 
rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL. The 70s were crazy. Night. The crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. Oh, my God. Scarface, 22 to 45. <laughs> like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would, he even, why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype <laughs> and that he has come for his cocaine. <laughs> As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P-E in Spanish, <laughs> oh my God. he spots his dear friend who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. <laughs> Scarface yells out his signature line. <laughs> Ciao Bella, it's me, Scarface. <laughs> oh my 